This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Real EFL League One podcast, the podcast where we take a look at all the wonderful action that England's third tier has to offer each weekend. Unfortunately, four of our Saturday games were cancelled due to the dreadful weather that is sweeping across Britain and Ireland. However, there were still some key results from the eight matches that took place and there were certainly plenty of talking points. There's so much to get through, so let's not waste any more time. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and I hope you all enjoy the following episode. If you do... Please leave us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. It would be greatly appreciated as we attempt to reach as many League One lovers as possible. So now, without further ado, let's get into the action. And of course, I won't be on my own to delve through all the weekend's events. I'm joined today by Ivan Newsom, whose team did not play this weekend. And perhaps he was slightly relieved. Ivan, how have you been? Yeah, I've been all right. So I was supposed to be going down to Cheltenham. Uh, luckily, I don't live in Carlisle, so it's not as <laughs> much of it. Uh, a trek down there, but I instead spent the weekend in Bath with a few mates, and I didn't have a Saturday worrying about us lose. So it's probably quite a quite a nice weekend, quite relaxed. Is this the first podcast you've been on with me where Carlo haven't lost? And it is true I, technicality. I was thinking this. I was thinking this the other day. I was like, I've not spoken about us winning, but I also <laughs> don't think about a draw either. So yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. So through a technicality, you haven't lost. So happy yeah. days, great weekend all around. <laughs> I'm also joined today by Adam Pendlebury, who will be delighted with the result this weekend. Adam, how are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Yeah, that's two of us that haven't lost this. Uh, this weekend. <laughs> it's a happy podcast for once. Usually someone's yeah. lost. <laughs> I just want to put a quick disclaimer out for anyone listening. The weather here, I believe, is due to Storm Isha or Aisha, or whatever it's called, is incredibly bad. If you hear it picked up on the microphone, I can only apologize. I can't control the weather. Uh, it's absolutely awful it's been windy for the last 24 hours straight incredibly incredible gusts of wind and lashing rain so again if you hear the wind outside the weather outside i can only apologize 
However, Ivan, I'll start with you and we'll go over to Brisbane Road for, well, I mean, last week I said Leighton Orient's win over Portsmouth at Fratton Park was the most surprising result of the season, actually, is what I said. It was a big claim, but I, I still stand by it. I think that was an unbelievable result considering how emphatic it was and the fact that it was at the home of the league leaders. Not this win against Bolton Wanderers wasn't as impressive, but it's still a, still a very impressive win, a 1-0 win against Bolton Wanderers. Talk me through this one, Ivan. Yeah, I think if you're looking at the if you're looking at the recent form as well, I'd probably argue that the win over Bolton is potentially even more impressive than the one mm-hmm. over Portsmouth. Just because I think Portsmouth have they definitely had a, a blip yeah. in form, haven't they, in yeah. recent weeks. Um Red Bolton have been on great form mm-hmm. so it was it was definitely a surprise but well obviously it's just it's a surprise if you're looking at it from a league table standpoint but the football that Orient have been playing in recent weeks it's yeah like you, you've got to give them plenty of credit I don't think Bolton didn't have their best game but I wouldn't say they had an awful one either um I'll start off with a stat uh from Brendan Pitcher on Twitter I quite like my stats and this one is pretty incredible Orient's league record in games they've led under Richie Wellens is 38 wins, 10 draws, uh, 10 draws and zero losses. And that's now 39 wins uh, after the victory on wow. Saturday. It's it like that blew my mind when I saw that the other day. Um, and it just shows like I've, I've mean, it's fairly obvious to see that Richie Wellens is a great manager and what he's doing. There's a bit of pressure in, I think it might have been November. Or, it was uh, November through December. They were on a really bad run of form, and and actually, really? the the last time they lost the game was just before Christmas, and that was three two against Bolton Wanderers. And now they've been unbeaten since. And just to, just as well to to add a little stat to that, Leighton Orient put this on the Twitter. So if if you're a Leighton Orient fan, I'm sure you already noticed that by now. But for other listeners, I think it's important to note it's been five clean sheets, and or, or they've picked up five clean sheets in a row. Now it's the first time since the 1970s that they've managed to do that. I think that's unbelievable. I, I mean, he was. I don't want to say he was under pressure, but there was some a bit of disgruntlement from the fans, I think it's fair to say. But what a job he's done since Christmas. Oh yeah, it's it's um it's a pretty incredible turnaround, especially for a team on don't get me wrong, they've not got the lowest budget in the league, but they've not what they, I think they're ninth now or yep. tenth, ninth or tenth. It's, it's their highest be, league position in a decade. To be in that position with the the players they've got, mm. the yeah, it's it's really impressive. And just adding to what you've just said, they're the only team in the EFL to have not let a goal in in 2024. Um, so I think that's, it's an obvious testament to their their defence. And I, I saw Carlisle play them in the FA Cup in November. And it's a different, like, mm. it's a different team to what it is now, it looks like. Um, the way that they're defending, I mean, what, holding the league leaders and then I think Bolton game, went into this in fourth, didn't they? Maybe third. Um, it's it's so impressive, um, and another person who's in great form, Danny Gay, who's his fifty fourth minute strike would be the only goal to separate those two sides. It is a bit of a sloppy one from Bolton defensively. Mm. I think they tried to play it out the back, um, and ultimately that has backfired. I think he's he's got a deflect. Well, he's not got deflection. It's been blocked, and it's gone perfectly into his path. And fair play to their number seven, though. He's a great turn of foot and an equally uh, good finish. Bolton hardly tested Sol Bryan in the um, Orient goal and just a one shot on target all day. So I don't think they can really complain too much about the loss. Um, 
but like I said, full credit has got to go to uh, Leighton Orient. They're playing some of the best football in the league at the minute and are, well, in, in mid-table, which you look at in November, who would have thought that? And that's four wins in their last five with a draw in between them. And I saw a couple of things saying, are they... Then Obviously, they're not going to lose every game from now on in, but they're almost at that point where they're already safe. And being a team coming up from League Two last season, I mean, I can, as a Carlisle fan who came up last year, all you want really in your first season mm. is safety. Um, so I think they'll be absolutely delighted with that. As for Bolton, I suppose with Portsmouth winning, Peterborough also winning and Derby drawing, it's not a great day for them. So they stay fourth and five points off the top. But they do have, I think, two or three, it might three be games, three games yeah. of hands on Portsmouth. So they could make some of those um some of those points back in the coming weeks. But yeah, as I said, full credit to Orient. It's really good to see how good they're playing at the minute. Yeah. And I just want to say as well for or just in regard to Dan Ajay, he has three goals this season, and all three have come in his last three matches. He has been in sensational form and he almost scored a screamer. In the forest half of his left foot, it just went wide of the post at the top left corner. An unbelievable strike, and then he did get his goals. A mess up from the back from Owen Toll, and he tried to like, I think he tried to like clip it down the down the line to a runner in behind. It was hard to and see. He's just gone nowhere near where he needs yeah, to go. Just, has it. It's just his body shape is wrong, and 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 he it didn't even look like he put enough power on the ball initially, but it's blocked. Goes straight into Dan Ajay, and he wins the race between between Toll and and, and Jack Ardell, and and he actually. The latter tries to clip him, almost not clip him, he nearly did. He yeah. squeezes in between the both of them, beautifully placed finish as well to take the lead, 1-0. For Bolton Wanderers now, though, as you said, they're five points adrift of force. They do have three games in hand, though. After the game, head coach Ian Evett described some of the decision-making as baffling, he said. And he also said they basically can't have too many complaints, as you said, Ivan. There was two chances I remember that Bolton had in the game. Both felt Dion Charles, one especially back post from across and he headed it onto the post. It was, I don't want to say it was an open goal because it wasn't, but it was like three quarters to at least half open. Anyway. It was almost easier to score. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it yeah. was 15 16 <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just going to come in with that. I was saying, you know, you can have all your stats about your clean sheets, but they shouldn't have had a clean sheet yesterday. I mean, that that's, you know, he, he's prolific, isn't he? Yeah. In front of goal and. I just couldn't believe he actually. Well, he's the top goal scorer, but then he missed a second. He got set in, yeah. in a beautiful pass through to him. He gets he gets played in, yeah. and Sovereign saves it. Goal. It's a yeah, it's a good it's a good save, but he should have scored. But then he's he's practically whipped off like a minute or two later. Obviously, never had enough. Yeah, had a bad day at the office, didn't he? Yeah, and just. Uh, just a, a few more stats before we finish up. The, the possession was kind of 50 50. It was 49% late now, the 51 to Bolton Wanderers. Bolton didn't really dominate the game in terms of possession, but they only had four shots, Bolton. And two, they could have scored with both, as, as, as we've said. They could have scored with both. They could have won the game, surprisingly. But they only had one shot on target as well. A really disappointing night if you're a, a Bolton Wanderers fan, I suppose it's fair to say, but incredible for Leighton Orient. And now, Adam. Over to a game that you'll be very happy with, with the result of. It's Wigan Athletic 1, Reading nil. Two teams that would have been faced off in the Premier League actually 11 years ago, now facing off in League 1. Both have a lot of similarities, I think it's fair to say, or you know, have had very similar situations, I think it's fair to say, in recent years. Before we actually talk about the game itself, Adam, you wanted to discuss a, a you know a meeting you had with, with Reading Trust because you're a Wigan fan, but you can, I suppose, sympathise with 
a lot of the 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 Reading fans for what's happened in, in well the last couple of months anyway with the owner. Yeah, absolutely. So we we've been in contact quite a bit through the week on various different podcasts. Um, we've had one of the the on part Royals on ours, and I was on the podcast the other day. Uh, so the the actual supporters trust came into the um, Wigan supporters bar yesterday. So we had, we were just sat down having a chat. So from the trust, actually, we gave her a platform on stage. Um, they were doing the um, sixteen minute um, stand up. If you want die out, um, it's it's one of those situations where you struggle to see an end to it because you've got an owner who doesn't want to sell but doesn't want to put any money in mm. and he's now essentially asset stripping. You know, he's selling players, fire sale, um, and he's running it into the ground. Um, they don't own the stadium, I don't think, either. So that's always a problem for a purchaser. At least with Wigan, we had the stadium. And also there was some engagement still with the chairman. Um, he was still talking to us. Apparently, um, the owner hasn't talked to them at all. And the CEO that they put in place to talk to them um, has also disappeared as well. So they're not they're, they're trying to um they're trying to bring it to the attention of the public as a whole, the football community. Um, they obviously had the pitch invasion in the cup, which is on ITV, and then obviously they got the game abandoned uh, last week. And I think everybody there sympathises. You know, you you wouldn't necessarily encourage people to go on the pitch, but sometimes you just need to make make that point. It's kind of political pressure, really, to to push the right. I know there's a on the culture, media, and sports select committee, Damien Green, who's um, a Reading fan. So he was he was talking to um, Masters and Parry the other day about football finances, and he was making the point there. So I don't know whether there's some political pressure that can put on them, but the EFL can't really remove him, and that's the that's the frustrating part. And then when they start doing points deductions, that's not really hurting him; it's hurting the club, the fans, yeah. and the players because. To be fair to them, they've not done a bad job. You know, they were on an unbeaten run before yesterday. And it's when you pick those points up working so hard and then they can end up being taken off you again. You don't know when you're getting a pair packet. Mm-hmm. One difference with Wigan as well, which, which I think is disgraceful, is that with Wigan, the players weren't paid, but they always paid the, the support staff, you know, yeah. like things like catering and ticketing and all that kind of stuff. And apparently they weren't paid. Mm. So it's a... It's, well, Adam, actually speaking of that, the Athletic put a report and the heating wasn't even turned on. And the, I said, I mentioned this in the podcast last week. It was after the week, the sorry, the Reading and Port Vale yeah. game last week when the game was cancelled. The Athletic put a, an article out about the cancellation of the match, the postponement of the match. And they said along the lines of the, the there's no chef, the catering company walked out because they weren't getting paid. Players are eating microwave meals, which anyone who works in an elite sport will know that it's far from ideal. And also the people working in the in the facilities, the heat wasn't on. They had to wear layer upon layer of, 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 of clothing because they're freezing cold, especially in winter. I mean, it's absolutely damning. And just another point I want to make, I, I th- I'm sure some people were, were, were cynical about the game being cancelled or postponed last week, but it also it, it also went viral, I should say, or you know, 
public at least and it was brought into the public eye more so because people like Gary, influential people like Gary Neville for example was talking about he gave a support of Reading fans also Gary Lineker Michael Richards and Alan Shearer I don't want to plug other podcasts obviously but they did a brilliant segment on the situation with Reading on their Restless Football podcast so you have these massive figures public figures in, in the game that are speaking about the situation and hopefully putting more pressure on as you said political pressure I suppose but again I mean, it's just a really awful situation, yeah. I suppose. But I think, I think Ruben Sayers is, I would say anyway. I know I'm not a fan of Reading, obviously, so I, I, I'm just looking at this from the outside. But I think he's done a decent job, and I think he's actually walked into hell. I think is the, is probably the best way to describe that. He's taken over an incredibly young group of players. They've just sold Tom Holmes. Tom Holmes, sorry, to Luton Town. He's been loaned back out. Of course, he, he played it at the DW Stadium this weekend. But, I mean, he he, the situation he's taken over with Reading is just unbelievable. And he's an inexperienced manager at the top, uh, not the top level, but just in, in the in the men's game. He was a, a youth coach and he took over Southampton who were in a difficult position. Okay, they got relegated, but then he takes over Reading. And they're just, they're just, it's a nightmare for him. What a, I mean, and he, to be fair to him, they're not doing that badly, are they? I mean, they have a four-point deduction, which would have made them level on points with Exeter City above them. Like, he's in a solid job, but just speaking of that, in my opinion, I think Wigan probably deserved to win at the weekend, apart from a couple of Harvey Nibs chances, which he, they were good chances by Harvey Nibs, and he missed them. I thought, first half especially, Wigan looked good. So talk me through Wigan's performance first, Adam. Yeah, I mean, just going on, just quickly on that point that you just made, and mm-hmm. I think again that's a similarity. Sean Maloney was thrown in the deep end, and yeah. players weren't getting paid, and they were all young players. Um, mm-hmm. I think both managers really deserve to be applauded for yeah. what they've been through. Um, yeah, first half, Wigan very much controlled the game. Um, we had a couple of half chances, Marshall Gordo and uh, Asgard um, early on with some chances, good wing play. From Jordan Jones, who had a superb game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, team selection was a bit odd uh, because we had one centre back on the pitch to start with. I mean, I would not put, I wouldn't put Claire and um, Chambers, who's on loan from Liverpool, as natural centre backs. And in any case, they were bombing up the. The right overlapping, weren't they? I mean, it was like yeah. Chris Wilder, Sheffield United overlapping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still, but but obviously it was creating some chances in the uh, yeah. in, in the first half. And, and to be fair, I think we talked about this last time I was on. We were badly missing Matt Matt Smith in midfield. Um, sure, I I don't know. Remember from the Carlisle game, he had a, a really good really good game in that in that match, the one one draw early in the season, and he's been. Um, He's been top-notch when he's played and he can kind of shield a bit more as well. He's very positionally aware. And again, he did that in the first half, passed it well. And then the actual goal was a cracking goal. So Matt Smith is like almost conducting it. He's pointing like, and he points to Chambers. Chambers gets it, does a nice little flick into Asgard. And once Asgard gets space on that left-hand side, coming inside onto his right foot, that's his... That's his customary style of goal. He's not really a he missed he missed a header from like five yards, but then puts it in the top corner from um, you know sort of twenty five yards. Brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, second half, it was a hard watch. I mean, the pitch was poor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it didn't really flow. Wigan were just not attacking in the same way. We lost Marshall Gordo to injury in the first half, so we, we lost that part of our attack. And it was just a bit, we, we sat a lot deeper. Reading passed it around quite, it was quite pleasant, but they weren't really going anywhere. But as you said, they did create uh, a couple of chances late on, which... You know, you could argue on another day they would have uh, they would have scored those. But I think Tickle's got to get a bit of credit there. You know, goalkeepers have quiet days, and that's when you really know they're a decent keeper because they have to keep concentrated throughout. And then even so, we still managed to create a couple of other chances. Morrison, when he came on from uh, as a substitute, we actually brought another defender on. We had two on two centre backs at the same time. Unbelievable, revolutionary. Yeah, and he, uh, he, yeah, he headed a shot, which was well saved. And then um, we then had uh, Matt Smith uh, trying to do um, a Beckham or a Rooney or a Pele, whatever you want to call it. And it was, the, yeah, to be fair, it was a good save at the end because he was really backtracking button and he managed to uh, just, just get back in time and reach and push it round. But it's, again, it's just awareness, awareness and technique. You know, it's all right seeing it, but you have to be able to implement it as well. So, yeah, I thought I, I thought Wigan deserved it. There's been a bit of rum, few rumblings about the style of play, but I think we all know some fans are never happy. You know, no matter what, and I think it's part of their day out to have a bit of a mourn. But for me, I thought we managed the game well, and we've got two more home games coming up now against uh, Wickham and Stevenage. So. Hopefully we can keep that home form going. And when I four matches undefeated after a, a really bad spell of form around Christmas. Yeah, it was an impressive win by Wigan Athletic and probably deserved, as I said, Harvey Nibs has some really good, probably two of the best chances of the game. And he did miss. Some, Sam Tickle obviously deserves some credit for that as well. David Button made some decent saves as well though during the game, especially as you said, you know, from the... The Beckham esque. I actually always think it's it's interesting when you when you talk about a certain goal, whether it be a chip goal or a bicycle kick or whatever. The person who grew up watching a certain generation will always describe it as something else. So even like a bicycle kick, my grandfather would always call like he'd always say the goal that Dennis Law would score. Mine would be like Rooney, others would be like Garnacho. When you talk about a chip, it'd be Beckham or again, mine would be Rooney, you know, or Figure, figure, watch Figueroa's for Wigan against. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a class. That's a, that's a, that one match of the day's goal of the season. It did. It deserved the two. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Wasn't it from? Was, was it from a free kick? I feel like he, he yeah, was just, a free, just yeah. a free kick. Put it down, and I mean, imagine if he just kicked that out of play, the manager would have got it. Was, uh, <laughs> it was on the Martinez actually, but he obviously yeah. had the confidence to do it. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Amazing. That goal always stay in my mind because it was, it's all I remember of Figaro really. I don't, I don't really, I've, I haven't followed his career since he left Wigan, so I don't actually know where he is now or, or what he does, but unbelievable goal. Absolutely unbelievable goal. Uh, and just moving over now to probably not much of a surprise to many people, Orton Albion 2, Charlton Athletic nil. There were rumblings before we actually started recording that Michael Appleton was under fierce pressure. I believe I've just been sent something now by the 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 wonderful uh, Keelan Sarson, a regular on the podcast. He basically said that the rumours are untrue. He sent me something from Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. So it, it, it may not be untrue. Before the podcast, Adam was saying as well t- to me that, and, and Ivan, or Ivan and I, sorry, that 
Appleton came out after the game and he basically said he still has the, the backing of the board. Maybe he does, but I do wonder how long that backing will last. Charlton Athletic are down to 16th. They fall below Borton Albion. I mean, it's crazy when you consider the players that have been brought in and the and I mean even uh, like the 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 criticism that Dean Holden got. I'm not saying Dean Holden's anywhere near the savior, but I, like it's gotten worse. It's gotten so much worse. They're like they are seven points above Reading now, and if Reading weren't deducted four points, they'd be only three behind them. And I think that's absolutely unbelievable. It's been a catastrophic season for Charlton Athletic, and it was another abysmal, abysmal performance. I mean, they had all the possession. They had 73% of the ball. They had 14 shots. No big chances, though. But I do want to give a little bit of credit to Freddie Ladapo, because he made his debut for uh, Charlton Athletic this weekend after joining from Ipswich Town. He looked pretty good. He was probably, I would argue, Charlton's best player. Some good link-up play. I remember a dummy in the first half, which should have been a give and go, but it wasn't. Some decent shots as well he had, but again, Charlton just looked kind of poor. They did have some decent opportunities as well, Charlton. But it's just, it's it's 11 games now without a win in all competitions for the Addicts. Really, really poor. And just talking about Burton Albion, because I don't want to just always be negative, of course. This was Martin Patterson's first win as Burton Albion boss, and it was an impressive win too. I think they... Probably deserved. I mean, like they had twenty seven percent of the ball and had the same number of shots on target as Charlton. Just kind of shows you really that they they were they used the ball better, I suppose, than Charlton, despite all the possession that Charlton had. And as well, Joe Huggle, who scored his first goal against Derby County on Monday, Derby won that game obviously with a ninety third minute winner from Conor Hurahan. Joe Huggle scored in that game and he got an assist this time round. I did watch the replay of the goal. Not really sure he connects with it, but. He's claimed it. It is an assist, I suppose, for Joe Huggle. Brilliant, brilliant talent, unknown from Manchester United. He, he, he looks pretty good. And Burton Albion, again, a really impressive win. John Brayford then scores to make it 2-0 in the fuck just two minutes after half time. The last time these two teams met was the 23rd of December, and it was one all. And now Burton Albion get the upper hand on Charlton. They've taken four, or they've taken four points from the six, a possible six against Charlton this season. I mean, the first goal as well, actually, I just want to say the flick on from Joe Huggle. Mark Helm runs into the channel. Brilliant finish. Absolutely brilliant finish. The second goal was a bit of a bit of a nightmare in the box, I think, from Charlton when defending it. They just, they just, they, it was awful defending. They didn't close out quickly enough to stop the cross initially. Ball comes in then. Poor defending falls to, to Brayford. He taps it in. It's 2-0. Pretty comfortable, as I said, for Charlton, though. Zero wins all competitions, and and I'm not really sure where they go from here. It's just been a dismal season again. A club of that size, who spent so long in the Premier League, are just languishing in League One, I think it's fair to say, the last couple of seasons. And I just want to say as well, if they get rid of Michael Appleton, it will be their seventh manager in three years they'll have appointed. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. It's genuinely unbelievable. The amount of money that they spend, like it's to be in, they're saying sixteenth at the minute right now. To yeah. spend that amount of money to be sixteenth in League One, which let's be real, is not the strongest League One at all in recent oh, yeah. years. It's it is yeah, absolutely shocking. Seven points, uh, seven points clear of the relegation zone. Like 
I mean, I think we all know they won't get relegated, or at least probably won't get relegated. But um, yeah, I it's it's crazy. It's just crazy to me. And you've got actually, I don't even know is he still the league one top goal scorer? But you've got Alfie May joint joint top goal scorer, the best striker in the league over the past two yeah. seasons, three seasons. And for him to be playing in a team that's 16th in the league, it, yeah, shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at Cheltenham Town just as I'm looking at the league table. They're only seven points behind, but they have two games in hand on Cheltenham. It could be... Yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah, honestly. It could, it could be Charlton one point. Recently, they could catch yeah. them up. Yeah, they're playing well, Cheltenham. Yeah. I mean, they gave them... We gave teams a head start, obviously, through the points deduction. But we've now gone past them with a starting on minus eight. And Cheltenham yeah. were one of the favourites. But like you said, Cheltenham, after that first 11-game start that they gave everyone when they didn't score, you know, that's, I'd be interesting to look at the yeah. form since then. But I bet their form is higher mid-table form. So mm. they're a side that realistically, you, you, they might be targeting Cheltenham as a, as a side that they could catch. I think a lot of teams below Charlton will be targeting Charlton, Reading, Charlton yep. Town. I mean, they Exeter. I mean, the level on points with Shrewsbury, and we'll get on to Shrewsbury. They sacked their manager today. And they're level on points with Charlton. I find that absolutely incredible. I know Charlton have played a, a game in hand, but I mean, considering that the form they're on, it really won't make much of a difference, will it? Because the game in hand is on Tuesday, I believe, against Northampton Town. And then they face Blackpool away. I struggle to see them getting a win there. I don't think they'll get a win. I really don't, because Northampton Town are an awful team to play against. They're incredibly difficult for any side. They're doing so well this season with John Brady. They've had a brilliant campaign so far. Okay, it's at home, it's at the Valley. Maybe you'll get three points there, but I can see that being a draw. I don't think they'll beat Blackpool. Blackpool are on a great run of form. I can't see them beating Blackpool away from home. You know what I mean? And One of the best home records in the league, Blackpool, yeah. I think. Blackpool away from home are abysmal. They've only won three games this season, which I'll get on to later, but at home, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. But speaking of a team that have only won three games away from home, it is Blackpool. They beat Bristol Rovers 2-1 this weekend. Ivan. Talking through this one because it was, I mean, after I think they the first two shots of the game were goals. Yeah, crazy. But yeah, so it was. Um, I think the majority of the action all came in the the first half. Um, I'm going to contradict myself straight away by saying both teams have struggled for consistency at points this season, which is mm-hmm. especially in Blackpool's uh, case is really hampered. Well, it's not hampered their chance. Well, it has hampered their chances of being well, has, in the playoffs yeah. at the minute. Um. But I've just said that, but coming into this, Blackpool have won their last, had won their last two, and Bristol Rovers have lost their last two. So, um, yeah, I've just said about consistency there. And, well, with Blackpool winning, I think I've just been proved completely wrong. Um, and, yeah, all, of the, all three of the goals, sorry, it was Blackpool two, Bristol Rovers one, all three goals came in the first 24 minutes. Despite being the away side, Blackpool started on the front foot. Um, it's some great work by Jordan Rhodes and then Kyle Joseph down the left-hand side, which was rewarded by an absolute peach of a finish by CJ Hamilton. It passed then, three people, by the way. Goalkeeper and two defenders are passed to get hit the net. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's such a good finish. Like He's put that... To, to score from that far out with, like you said, you've got two defenders basically on the line. It, it's such a good finish. I did, however, think Connor Taylor had about three chances to make a tackle. Um, on both uh, Rhodes and Joseph, and he's probably regretting that now. Uh, th- that lead was then doubled 15 minutes later. It's hard work again from Joseph, um, and that would set up Kamaka Dembele to fire home. And at that point, I think 2 0 after 
20, 19, 20 minutes, the game could have got out of hand. But then Chris Martin would pull one back uh, for the gas. It's a slightly, a slightly fluky finish. Um, I don't know what he's meant to do, but it's managed to lob the goalkeeper and go in. Um, and that made it 2-1. I would do a cold play joke, but I'd like to preserve my dignity unlike other people that have appeared on this podcast. It's his 10th of the season and he's actually showing... I, I think he's a very good player. I think 10, 10 goals at this point in the season for a team like Bristol Rovers is pretty impressive. Um, both sides have had did have chances in the second half, um, but there were no more goals. And as I said earlier, three wins on the spin for the Tangerines, which puts them into eighth, and they're only three points off of the playoffs now. You've got ahead of them, they've got Stevenage, who haven't been on the best run of form recently. You've also got, I mean, o- o- Oxford, Oxford, I, I'll hold my hands up a few weeks ago. I said there's no way they'll finish in the playoffs, but they've improved in recent weeks. But mm-hmm. I think Blackpool, you're looking ahead of them at that. They're probably looking at that final playoff place. Maybe even Bon, even Barnsley. Like I, I hate keeping bringing it back to Carlisle. But I watched Carlisle v Barnsley and I follow on Tuesday night, and I thought Barnsley were awful. <laughs> I thought they were so bad. Um, but so I think Blackpool, if they if they can continue winning, so I think they struggled to really put some results together, and then to do three in a row, it could be, yeah, it it could be the start of something quite big. Um, as for Bristol Rovers, they fall down to 12th. And I think that's probably any playoff ambitions have now gone yeah. down. After losing three on the uh, three on the spin, 15 points off um, off the playoffs, I think, yeah, they're not going to make it this year. Mm. And I think for a team like Bristol Rovers, that's probably, I think you're expecting mid-table normally. I think the fans will be expecting mid-table, maybe well, top 10. But yeah, I think the playoffs is out of reach now for them and they'd be hoping that they can end this um well losing run of form. I think they've got Exeter on Tuesday night. They so do at home and then they have Oxford United. So I, I would imagine they'll be favourites for the Exeter City game. Obviously they will yeah. be the underdogs for the Oxford United game, but they've had they haven't won in five games now and it's been four losses. Obviously the the exception to that was the draw against Norwich in the Cup and then they lost the Norwich in the Cup in the replay. Lost the Barnes or uh, lost the Barnsley obviously, and then lost to Blackpool. So not really a good run of form in all competitions, not just the league. Mm. I do just want to say though, Chris Martin, he is on ten goals, but I'm not going to read my pun out because someone on this podcast clearly doesn't appreciate good comedy. So I'm going to move on. You don't deserve the hero. I'm going to move on. Actually, we have a we have a force in this podcast, so I'm going to. There's still four more matches to discuss but before we get into them let me tell you about our sponsor away days are great especially when your striker bags a last minute winner but there's nothing quite like playing at home and you know what the same goes for mcdonald's why not maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery are you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com the new year is now upon us and tis the season for planning your next holiday adventure. Whether you're travelling to Germany for the Euros, France for the Olympics or taking your partner or kids, 
on a much needed break to the Balearic Islands, downloading NordVPN is a must. NordVPN allows you to watch all sporting events, TV shows and films which are not available in your region by switching your location in just a click to one which is showing the content. So if you're away with the family and miss the pain of watching the EFL team you love the most, concede in the last minute due to a dodgy refereeing decision, then NordVPN is a service for you. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online by protecting your personal data and other sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord 30 day money back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, you can download NordVPN today and use it across six, yes, six different devices, one for the whole family. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for supporting this podcast. And you can too by going to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL to get a discount. The link is in the description. Now, moving on, Adam, Peterborough United went 1-0 down to Shrewsbury Town, surprisingly, and ended up losing. Yeah, that's the bit. Oh, apologies, is... Shrewsbury Town ended up losing, apologies, but then that yeah. led to Matthew Taylor getting sacked, and I think we said before the podcast started, it was probably quite a surprise, because they actually were decent for once. Yeah, they played first half. It was probably a 50 50 half. Um, obviously, a lovely finish for the goal. Um, I think he's he's on form at the moment. I think he's got three three goals in the last five matches mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, fair play for Shrewsbury in the first half. And they, it would have been a big surprise, but like we, we've seen over the previous weeks, you do get those, what you could what. It's cliched coupon busters, don't you? Sometimes the truth be, I always seem to manage to get that win surprisingly when you don't expect them to win. Um, but obviously, yesterday we got to a point where it was one game too far. And if you look at the stats, really, over the course of the game, even though you might say it was one of that Shrewsbury's better performances of the last few weeks. You know, 20, 20 shots to 14, mm. 8 to 4 on target. Um, the, the possession was all Peterborough's. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the first goal, one of the team goals of the day, I think. It was a lovely, uh, lovely build-up for the um, for the first goal. Uh, Rando, I think it was. And um, second goal... I mean, Peterborough tended to be good on set pieces this season, but I mean, I think I could have headed it in for that that much space, to be honest. I mean, he did mention in his post-match, or his final post-match, as we can say, his final post-match interview for uh, Shrewsbury that he'd been working on that all week and he was really disappointed with with conceding from a set piece. Peterborough just do Peterborough. You know, later on in the game, they probably could have scored another couple of goals. Um, it's not unexpected. You know, they're, they're, they're a form team. They've got lots of goals in them. You know, you always expect them to score a couple. So that's not the surprising bit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Matt Taylor loses his job. It didn't sound like that in his interview. He wasn't really downbeat. He, he was thinking ahead of things that they need to things that they need to improve on. He's talking about the window. Um, taking the positives, really, from what is, 
it's a defeat, but it's not a heavy defeat. And also for Shrewsbury, if they score a goal, you know, at the moment, it, they don't they don't score many goals. I think they might be the, the lowest. They're the joint lowest. They're the joint lowest scorers in the league. So I think a goal at Peterborough, you take a positive, but the form is is terrible in terms of it's not just it's not just um not winning it's losing isn't it you know the losing games i think is it in all competitions something like is it eight 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 of nine and then in the league it's it's not great either is it it's but it's else. so in all competitions now they've only won one in the last eight and in the league it's one in five and they've lost everything in between that so it's it's yeah not absolutely dismal. A sneaky point are they you know no. you get points in that makes a big difference but they're now they're now looking over their shoulders big time because we've been saying for a while and we're not we're not here to bash Shrewsbury up or anything like that but it just seems that they every time we come on they say they need to be concerned you know the, the, the all the stats all the numbers you know like you like you said off her before um, um it it doesn't add up to in a successful team, and you, you'd say probably at the moment uh, they are in a, a false position. They probably should be a bit lower than what they actually are. So I think they've reacted. There's still a little bit of transfer window left. They need to get an appointment in pretty quickly. Um, it's always interesting to see where they go. I mean, they did the experiencing, didn't they? They went down that road for a number of years, and I think were quite a solid league one side really you know they did well I think they had a good season last last year I was too busy worrying about whether Wigan had had mm. still have a team I wasn't taking as much notice of league one but do they go experience or do they go young I, I don't know I don't know what, what you do at this stage now because it seems like they've tried them both but I guess the experience one worked and Someone who has some experience but less experience didn't work, and then there seems to be a lot of problems as well. The next stage is above with the head of recruitment and the director of football. I've noticed there's a lot of fans saying, "Well, that's one gone. Let's get rid of the other two. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jordan Shipley's goal was the fourth he scored this season, and that puts him joint top with four. That kind of sums up the issues really. They the joint lowest number of goals scored. In League One, alongside Exeter City, who we'll get onto a little bit later, but I think what really, what makes it so much worse, I suppose, is the fact that the teams below them, bar bar Carlisle United, have games in hand. I mean, Cheltenham Town have three games in hand, and they're <laughs> and they're seven points behind. If if I'm not saying Cheltenham will win all three, but if they do, they're above Shrewsbury Town. I think this was inevitable. I really do, and I wasn't overly surprised that Matthew Taylor was sacked. Actually. I expected it a little bit sooner, I'm not going to lie to you, and I don't mean to be harsh on him, but it was just, it, it clearly wasn't working, but just, when you look at the rest of the teams, even in the bottom, the bottom 12, Ivan, you and I were texting just before we came on the podcast, about an hour or so before we came on the podcast, mm. a six of the bottom 12 have changed the manager this season, including Shrewsbury Town now. And like, Fleetwood Town, for example, they've, they, they've, oh. they've gone, they, they might be gone to their fourth manager soon. Yeah, they've they've gone for experience and they've gone for youth. And as Adam said, he's like, where do you go? And you had experience with Steve Cottrell, and then you bring in Matthew Taylor, a little bit more inexperienced, and he comes in and it's a disaster as well. Where do they go from here now? Well, I mean, who do you think is the ideal candidate? Because I was actually on, I believe it was Shrewsbury Town forums or, or fan forums and online, and 
a lot of the fans were saying Paul Hurst. Summer, I mean, there was a there just wasn't really any. Mm. Look, I'm trying to I'm trying not to be mean. I just don't think it's the most appealing job, and I hope I'm not being too harsh there. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're totally, totally right in saying that, given where they are right now. I think for them, it's an absolutely pivotal um, choice that they've got to make. Uh, for I think for the for the future of the club, for me, it sounds a bit too harsh. But for the rest of the season, I think this is if you get the right manager in, they could they'll be absolutely fine. But if not, I mean, they've scored the league lowest goals. Like you're not going to get a a massive turnaround, I don't think, if you don't get the right manager in. Mm-hmm. Like with what um, Taylor had, I think you can't see that much of an improvement if you're getting the wrong manager. Like just changing your manager will not solve problems. So I, I would. There was one that I don't know if it's controversial. Uh, controversial. I was saying about Dino Mamria. I thought that was a good show, and I know it is controversial, but I thought it was a decent show. I just think of what he did with Burton. I think for Shrewsbury, I think it's now about staying up this season. Yeah. Like, that. that's the main bit. As you said, every team, apart from, unfortunately, Carlisle, has got a game in hand below them. Um, and they, they're at serious risk of, of falling down. And obviously, he's well known for helping Burton to survival. Yes, he might have not done, well, anywhere near as well this season. But I, I don't think personally it would be a, a, it would be a shocking appointment. Um, the other thing is, obviously, you, you said about having director of football, so they do have uh, a head coach rather than a manager, which may limit the, not applicants, but it may limit the, the sort of manager that they might be able to get in. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with the director of football role um, at the minute there. Mm-hmm. Certainly will be interesting. And just, I just wanted to make one more point, sorry, and I know I'm going to get a bit angry again just before we move on. I literally said last week in the podcast, I think Shrewsbury Town had something like eight shots and five outside the penalty area. I keep seeing people say, oh, but they had shot, they had 14 shots. Four were inside the box. You're joking me. Now, 14 mm. shots, he took four inside the penalty area. Are you serious? I mean, it's absolutely woeful. I'm sick of hearing it. A, they had 14 shots. Their XG came to 0.48. That is nothing from 14 shots, 0.48. That is absolutely... Shows why they've only scored 18 this season, exactly. doesn't it? It just, yeah. you know, I can shoot from the halfway line every time. It doesn't mean I'm going to score. You can have 100 shots from the halfway line, and then you're like, oh, I took 100 shots. Unless you, figure, unless you figure out... Yeah, yeah. Unless you figure, unless you figure out, yes. But I mean, it's just it's 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 so frustrating. And again, I know I like I know people throw XG around like if for silly reasons, and sometimes they just say, "Oh, this team had a zero point something XG. It's good slash not good." But zero point four eight XG as a whole tells you nothing. Zero point four XG from a total of forty and shots is woeful because that means there's literally like a. a, a three or four percent chance per shot that they're going to score and xg Mm. takes into account players of all level so if you're a premier league player like mohammed salah and you have a four percent shot i would i would hedge my bets that you will do a much better job than max Mata, for example and again i've seen max Mata play live i don't mean to be disrespectful he's a new zealand international but i'm just saying that a three or four percent chance of scoring when it comes to a, a, a i suppose a bottom half of the table league one player is a lot different than a Premier League side. So whoever comes in, 
they need to just be more efficient, really. I mean, it, it's and as you said, I know it might be maybe controversial, Ivan, but I think Dino's a good show. He's a good manager and he did a really good job at Borton. I don't even think the job he did this season was too bad at Borton when he lost his job. So I think he would be a decent show. Obviously, some fans are looking for Paul Horst that are the same, the return of Steve Cottrell. I think whoever comes in, it's not going to be. It, 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 I suppose the, the candidates won't be a plenty, I think it's fair to say. Daryl Clark would have been an unbelievable candidate if, if he was available because of what he's done with Cheltenham, but obviously he is not available. Nevertheless, over to Lincoln City, they picked up a solid result this weekend. They've been on a really, really poor run of form recently. Usually we have at least one Lincoln City representative on the podcast, whether it be Gary, whether it be Chris or whoever, or Charlie even, sorry. But they, they're obviously not this week, but so I'll do it for them. It was a decent goal result against Derby County. I actually thought it was their best performance in a while. I think up front, I mean, I'm not sure if anyone saw the highlights of the game, but but Joe Taylor, oh my Lord, the chances he missed. I mean, he, he, I have to say, he's probably one of the best players in the pitch. He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The way he, I mean, there was one one stage of the match, that I think it might have been the, the second opportunity he had. I think he turned Cashin over on the right-hand side and he got away and he's running in and then he skies it over the bar and then some other chance and he skies this and then he misses this and the keeper saves it and I thought, oh my Lord, he was never going to score. Clearly, it just wasn't his day. But he looked really, really lively. But again, it, obviously it doesn't help Lincoln City. They've they've been on a pretty poor run of form now. That's eight league games without a win. But I think they'll be feeling positive after that result. I really do. Because they had the best chances in the game, in my opinion. They absolutely had the best chances in the game. Derby will be a little disappointed, I think. I don't want to say they lost footing in the race, but, uh, you know, when Bolton Wanderers had, had lost this weekend, that been a really good chance to kind of open up a little bit of a gap to Bolton. They dropped two points against Lincoln City and a struggling Lincoln City side at that. So I think Derby would feel a little bit disappointed, I suppose, with the result. They had 19 shots, though. The XG was 0.99, and again... It's not good. It isn't good. The best chance of the game, if I'm remembering correctly, was I think a James Collins chance on his left foot of all things. He kind of hits it and I say best chance, probably went about five yards wide. He skied it over the bar. Not much else. There wasn't really many great opportunities that Derby had. Lincoln City by far had the best chances of the game. They had some unbelievable chances, as I already said. But yeah, I think Derby will be feeling a little bit disappointed. But Lincoln City will be certainly happy because their next game, obviously, is on Saturday against Peter United, who are just firing on all fronts at the moment. So at least they'll feel a little bit rejuvenated going into the game and have a little bit more confidence that they can get a result. At least it is at home and it is a tough place to go and the conditions obviously weren't great across the country, but the conditions certainly weren't great yesterday. They'll be feeling a, a little bit more confident going into that game. But they also need to start turning some draws into wins because they've drawn more games this season than, or drew more games this season apologies, than they've won which is obviously not great 28 games they've played this season in the league and they've scored 30 goals conceded 30 I suppose they are consistent but it's just kind of the middle ground I mean they literally are I suppose mid-table aren't they so it kind of mm. it, it levels itself out but they'll just be a little bit dis- disappointed with the current run of form but they'll be hoping they can put some get some wins going because they you know it's been eight games, as I said, down the league without a win for the fans. It's not great. They're not really scoring many goals. And I'm sure fans as well will be thirsty 
to see Jack Moylan start a game. He came off the bench again yesterday for the last, I think it was, he came on the 77th minute, so we didn't really get to see much of him like they didn't last week either. Derby That's County, so sorry, go sorry. On. Oh, go I was going to say, that they've got, speaking on Lincoln, they've got some good chances after that, after that Peterborough game, the next five games are Burton, Fleetwood, mm-hmm. Charlton, Exeter, Port Vale. So all teams are in the, well, the bottom half, um, the bottom, what, 15, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So all in the bottom, um, yeah, bottom 15. So it's yeah. like they've got 15 downwards. So I probably said that wrong completely. But um, it, I think if if any of the Lincoln boys were on the podcast today, I think they'd be buzzing with a result against Dart. Oh, yeah. Like a point is great. But like you said, it's, it's about getting a win on the board now. And I think if they get a win... I don't think they get any uh, any sort of result against Peterborough, but mm-hmm. they win that game against Burton. They could carry some really good, well, momentum into that uh, those next few run of games, which could fire them back up the table a bit. And I mean, as I said, the next game is Peterborough United, and we have a couple of lads at the Real EFL that are going to it. Keelan will be in the way end, and he'll be listening to this podcast now, and he has been absolutely unbearable recently because Peterborough United have been so good. No, I'm only joking, Keelan. We love you, but. That for Derby County, I just want to say as well before we, we, we move on, they are now only three points off Portsmouth. They could have been one and they have a game in hand. I think they'll see this as a, as a missed opportunity. Reports recently have been saying that they're, they're looking for Bradford City's Jake Young. Not sure how true that is. And Corey Blackett-Taylor, obviously. They are looking to bolster the forward line a little bit. I've been critical of Derby at times this season because they've been quite one-dimensional. James Collins is the top goal scorer, but I think Below that, there's a there's a good. I think the second top goal scorer and a six goals. So there is a bit. Of, he, he, I suppose he needs the burden eased off. I think is probably the best way to say it. And has Waghorn been playing, or is he injured? Well, I, I, he has six goals this season. He's won, so he's on six goals. But I believe he scored. Didn't he score a hat trick against was it Bristol Rovers? Or it might have been. Maybe it was Peter United actually. But anyway, he scored. He scored three goals. So that's. And that was yeah. back in, I think, September or August or something. I don't know, I don't know if he's been missing for a, for a bit. I know he didn't play at Wigan in uh, uh, on Boxing Day, but I don't know whether that's just a short-term injury. Did, did anybody watch the game Monday? I didn't I didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, I did watch the highlights, yeah. It was quite yeah. Well, Would you say you were a little bit lucky there, Derby? Because he said the last-minute goal. Uh, yeah. I, I, Burton Alban were unlucky. But I don't want to say Derby County were lucky, if that makes sense. If, if you know, I know yeah. maybe those two things go hand in hand, but I do think Derby County probably, probably maybe deserved the win. Borton Albion were a bit unlucky though; it was such a late goal. I, I just felt sorry for Borton Albion more than anything. But anyway, as I said, Derby County then their next game is Reading away on Tuesday, and then they face Cheltenham Town at home on Saturday, which will be a tricky enough game again. If, you know, that's a Cheltenham Town have been in an unbelievable on the form recently however Ivan over to you for the league leaders who you said earlier have been on a blip of form I think that's probably right they have been on a blip of form it's not been their best run of form I don't want to say they got out of jail because they had like they had the best chances of the game obviously I, I believe anyway however Kamara's goal could have been oh. saved couldn't it it, could, it was a great goal great goal Yeah, could have been saved I had that I'd had that right down I didn't know whether if you could I didn't want to call it a weldy because it's. I think he's done really well because. No, know. it's like when people saw Bebe's goal for Cape Verde. Oh. It was an unbelievable free kick. It, it wasn't, was it? He no, had it yeah. on target. It. I. I thought. I thought the keeper 
should have made it. But I don't really want to take anything away from Kamara because the dribble before it's really yeah. good. And it's, it's a well-taken finish. But yeah, ke- keeper's got to be doing a fair bit better there because it's not like in the corner or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so obviously Portsmouth did win 1-0. And when top of the league plays bottom of the league, you probably expect more of an easy victory. Um, I mean, it, they would win. But it's it's not an easy one, and I'd say it's rather unconvincing. Um, to be brutally honest, um, as you mentioned, that Abu Kamara goal would be the only uh, only goal to separate the two sides. Um, and yeah, I think Portsmouth had just look. It was ever since they lost to was it Bristol Rovers or Blackpool on the road. Ever mm-hmm. since that loss, I think it was in December. Um, they it's really stopped their progression. I mean. Don't get me wrong, they've had their, obviously, fair share of injuries. But it it seems like, I, I said... It I wrote was an Bristol article, Rovers, by the way. It was yeah, Boxing it was, Day, Bristol Rovers. Yeah. I, I wrote an article for the website, um, just plugging this here, about are the wheels falling off at Portsmouth? And then I think they lost like two out of the next three games. Um, so Pompey fans probably hate me, so I'm sorry about that. But... I just don't. I just don't see them as like the same force that we saw in the first half of the season. I think, yes, they're still top, and yes, like for them, it's a good day because Derby have drawn and Bolton have lost. But I just don't think that they'll. I don't think they'll win the league with the way they're playing at the minute. Let alone, I don't. I don't know if they'll even get promoted at the minute with how they're playing. They've still got a bit of time in the January transfer window to address their problems, um, which. You, who knows? It could absolutely revolutionise them in the second half of the season. But you look at that top four, and yes, Bolton lost um, on Saturday. But out of the form of all of them, Portsmouth got the worst form over the last yeah. five games. Yeah. Um, and then also, sorry, speaking about Fleetwood, I think they they're a team, are they down? Are they gone? They are a team destined for relegation. I know yeah. people are probably being like, "Oh yeah, but so are Carlisle." I. I think that so I can uh, I I think we I do think we um after that loss to Barnsley on Tuesday I think there's a very good chance we go down now I think it's just we cannot see out a game but I mean we're getting into games and when you're down the bottom if you can't see out a game then you know it's just it's just our luck but speaking about Fleetwood I just don't think they've got any fight or any sort of leadership I think the appointment of Charlie Adam hasn't helped and they I. I don't know if we were isn't it? Because they seemed but... to like run out of ideas and then it was just I mean they had they obviously had Scott Brown and then and then they sacked him and they brought in Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson. That no. kind of went well for five minutes and then they obviously brought in Charlie. Because they just gone well, we've gone for inexperience. Now we've got someone who is experienced and then we're just gonna oh, we'll just get another former midfielder, I suppose. And they've brought Charlie Adam in who's inexperienced. And he's lost four in a row now. They've lost five in a row. Worst defence in League One. One of the lowest goal scorers in the league. It's just a disaster. I mean, it, I mean, you, you can't sack another manager, surely. What do you do from here? Do you just see, do you just see it out? I, I think the... Um, so I was just going to say that at the start of the season, I kind of thought this might be a season where they get relegated because off the pitch issues, I mean, you, the honour of the club getting... Jailed is not really an mm. ideal start, and you then wonder, you know, with less less experience then, who's in terms of running the club, no consistency there, no real. They're all 
different types of appointments. We all said Johnson was always someone who you could argue stealing a living based on. I don't really know what he's what he's based on, to be honest. He might have won six games in a row once and I can't really think of anything else that he that he did. Um mm. and, and and then Charlie Adam was a bit so out of left field, wasn't it? I mean, he was a he was a Blackpool legend, wasn't he? But yeah, that was. But are they going to move again, or are they just going to say, "Look, stick with him now and start preparing for League Two, where they haven't been for a long time"? You know, surely they... you do right, though. Surely you stick with him now. I mean, it, it, they they this will be their third sacking of the season. They'll be moving on to four managers by February if they sack him again. Yeah. At what point do you say? we must stop sacking managers. You either accept fate or you leave someone in charge that can try and build up, I suppose, a style and at least get something going for next season. Ivan, do you think they should just plan for next season now in, in League Two or do you think they should throw the kitchen sink, I suppose, with the last couple of days of the transfer window? I think that that's what I was going to move on to next. I think I actually feel a bit sorry for Charlie Adam because obviously he's had an awful time since being their manager, but I just think like what like going into Fleetwoods when they were in that position anyway before he even arrived, and then it is almost impossible to turn that around straight away. So you do need to give him time, but also, I I, I personally, if I, I if I was Fleetwood, I'd be planning for next season. I'd be playing in in League Two and looking at um looking at just trying to bounce back and get promoted straight away. I, I need to stop comparing stuff to Carlisle, but we're the team directly above them. I think we, because people are going to question us about why Simpson's not, Simpson not gone this season. And one, I mean, we're a bit different to Fleetwood. I, I think we're punching above our weight massively, even being in League One. And Simpson is the best person that can be in charge of us. But I also think we've got this kind of like plan in place where, Yes, League what being in League One is a massive achievement, but also the future is just as important. Like one year in League One, and then you yeah. could just get plan for get a really good team together and get promoted the season after. I I think if we went down this year, we would be in the at least in the playoffs in League Two next season. Mm. Whereas like for Fleetwood, if they're taking this current squad in into League in or are trying to stay in League One this year, I think they'd if they didn't stay up, which, I mean, what are they, nine points off of safety already? Um, yeah. I just think you can't you can't give up. And I'm saying give up like there's still 19 games left in the season for them. But times are just so bleak, like five losses in a row. You've gone through three managers. We said about Shrewsbury probably not being an attractive job. Who is going to want to walk into Fleetwood with knowing that they're probably going to get given two months. Or... That's probably why they ended with Charlie Adam, though, as you said, they're nine points. Yeah, I, I think they kind of, it, it must be a long, I don't even think it is a long-term appointment because I can easily see us being sat on here in two weeks' time and say they've lost another two or three games and then Adam could indeed get sacked. But I think if, if I was in charge of Fleetwood, I, I'd be planning for relegation at yeah. this point in time. Well, I mean, their next game is away to Wickham Wanderers, who themselves, I suppose, are in a bit of a relegation battle at the moment. So it's just, it's not looking good. Whereas for Portsmouth, their uh, next game is away to Port Vale on Saturday. Now, Adam, over to you for the final game of the podcast. 
I'm not gonna lie. If anyone watched the highlights, I think whoever made the video package was really struggling to get some good moments in the game because there was, I believe, a nudge, a nudge on the goalkeeper in the first half, a clearance from the centre half in the highlight package as well, from across, and then a, a really just timid uh, shot from range, like a half volley from range. This was, um, I don't want to call it a snooze fest and be disrespectful, but it was just, it wasn't a great game, was it, overall? And Exeter City probably will feel a bit annoyed they didn't win because they, they kind of need the breeding room at the moment. They're at home against Cambridge United who are struggling for goals. Actually, both teams are struggling for goals. Extra City are struggling for goals. They're the joint goal scorers in the league. And only three teams have scored fewer goals than Cambridge United this season. And unsurprisingly, the game is nil all. Adam, talking through this one. Well, first of all, thanks for giving me two two of the sides uh, <laughs> the joint worst scorers in the league. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, Exeter had the better of it uh, from what I could see. I mean, it was more about reading around it because, like you said, the highlights package wasn't very long. The Exeter had probably the best chance later on. Um, you, you maybe could have done your highlights press record at 90 minutes and just just sock up, sock up the uh, added time. But, yeah, I think Exeter had the better of it, but they clearly missing mm. a, a proper forward. I mean, I noticed Yannick Wilchuk played up front yesterday and he's a wide player, really. Um, he's fast, but he doesn't really get into the positions to score. He's, he, he, he's just a typical winger, knock it past him and cross it, that type of player, really. Um, but like I listen to, when, when there's not a lot of highlights, uh, you listen, sometimes listen to the managers and uh, I think Cambridge... They were pretty, uh, Neil Harris, I think, seemed pretty happy with the point, uh, which he would be because he didn't have any shots on target in the game. So uh, I don't really know what you got more you're going to expect. Well, Gary Caldwell was, was kind of taking the long, uh, the positives as well from the fact that I think they've gone four undefeated at home. Um, they've really tightened up at home defensively. So they have got something to build on. But the problem is their away form isn't great. And like you said before, if if they don't turn these draws into wins at home, if they don't start turning them into wins with that poor away record, then you wonder where that's actually going to lead to. And it's another of those sides who's just hovering outside. They have picked up a little bit in the last four or five games, to be fair, but they haven't picked up enough to make have that gap. So again, you know the the sides in the bottom four will be targeting them. You know mm-hmm. they'll be target on their backs. And Caldwell said he's looking for a striker. He wants a striker. I think he needs needs a striker. I think that's the key. I, I think the transfer business over the next week or so will determine whether they can stay in the division. And I think they've done a really to refer to them. Credit, you know, for for what they've actually done over the last few years, the projects and everything there. And I went down there myself. It's like really, really nice setup, fan zones and all that kind of thing. But yeah, they need, they just need to just just get that little bit extra. Get the you need to up those goals. If they finish, if they finish as the bottom joint bottom scorers in the league, I don't, I don't think they're going to get out of it. Really. I just think as well, like. 
Exeter had a brilliant start to the season. They were in the top two, I believe it was like the, the September international break. But they picked up like half or more than half of their points up until that point. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then since it's been 19 games in the league, they have two wins. Yeah. It's just, it's really not good. As you said, joint level scorers, they fail to score in 15 of their 27 games this season. And it's awful. That is it's so bad. Less they, than... it's, what they, it's obvious that what they need oh, yeah. is a striker. I think they, I mean, Every every team in about the bottom six or seven has been linked with Jake Young in the last like week yeah. or so. But so they've got it's a player a player on massive well a huge fan of Sonny Cox, but he's nineteen year old academy product, and you don't. I think it's still too soon for him to be their their main main guy up top. And I mean Bradford are asking for a lot of money for Jake Young, but oh well, that was a whole thing, wasn't it, with Carlisle? Uh, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring into it too much, but. There's obviously been a bit of bad, bad, uh, bad blood between Bradford and Carlisle fans on Twitter, which I, I don't get involved in any of it. And the managers. It is, yeah. yeah, and the managers. And the chief executive. Yeah. Have you got a bit of, of Carlisle inherited a bit of money recently? Because there's been rumours of Charlie White being linked with a move to... Uh... Oh, the new owners. We're, yeah, so it's like we've had new owners since November. Um, and that's why we've got, I mean, we broke our transfer record with Luke Armstrong. Um, I, I mean, if we got Charlie White, I'd be overjoyed. I absolutely love Charlie White. But this is the only problem is there's this massive thing of uh, Carlisle fans just wanting former players to come back. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, it doesn't always work, but... Well, like we, Grant, Grant Holt. Yeah, it's like we're looking at him for every summer for like four <laughs> years or something towards the end of the, his career. But I think when you look at Exeter, it's a move that, yeah, it's a move that they need to make. You've got teams around them making some signings up top. I mean, mm-hmm. look at us. But then also Cheltenham, che- well, Cheltenham are also going to be in the market for a new striker as well. We've not talked about that today. We could win going yeah. to, um, it was Oxford, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so there are, there's definitely a couple of teams in that bottom six that need to bring some, well, bring a proper striker in. And I think that is going to be the difference between not necessarily these two teams, but Cheltenham and Exeter staying up this year. Well, I mean, there's only eight days left in the transfer window because it closes on Monday week. This podcast will probably be out on Monday, so literally a week from now, I suppose, when you're listening to it, the transfer window will be closing. So teams need to get cracking because a lot of sides in the bottom half of the table need a centre-forward. And a lot of them are struggling for goals. And there's, as I said, I've written Jake Young down in my notes about six times already because every team that's played, I've put players that are linked with just in case I want to bring it up. And Jake Young is on most of them. Derby, uh, Derby County, Charlton Athletic, Exeter City, Carlisle United and Port Vale. And there's probably one as well that I can't remember. It's unbelievable the players. Well, obviously. Shrewsbury I mean, probably. Probably. I can't, I can't remember the other yeah. one. But I mean, it's what? Six, 16 goals, four assists in 26 matches. It's unbelievable. And he was yeah. on to Swindon, he was on loan at Swindon for the first half of the season. But and anyway, Bradford don't seem like they want to keep him either. By the looks of it, well, but I think they might as well they might as well cash in at this point because this is hard highest it's like value is ever going to be, or not yeah. ever going to be. Sorry, but ever has been. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We'll I suppose see. so, but he's probably the ideal candidate, I suppose, for a number of teams. But anyway, gents, we will wrap up the podcast there. Ivan, what are your plans for the week? Uh, I've not got a whole lot on. I'm quite busy at work at my, I say proper job, but I'm I'm on a year placement. Uh, so 
it's yeah, it's good fun, but quite a busy week. Uh, no Carlisle game, which is until Again. Saturday. Happy yeah. days. Yeah, so it should be should be uh, quite nice. Brilliant, Adam. How about you? Yeah, busy. The new new semester starts um, with teaching, so a bit of preparation for that. And yeah, we've got a game Tuesday night, catching up with one of the games that was abandoned for the uh, internationals. So Wickham Wanderers at home. Uh, I think they're the only team that we haven't played yet this uh, this season. So. Hopefully, get another win on the board, and I think if we can if we can pick up some points, I think I think we'll have that security then, and then we can just enjoy you know the rest of the season. I think um, we're not gonna. Well, it's very rare for Wigan to be a mid-table side, mm-hmm. so I think it'd be nice just to buy our feet up for that last sort of five or six games of the season for once because uh, it seems like for the last 20 years we've had something going on in the last two days two games of the season whether it be up that or is down. true you're either winning the league or you're or you're fighting relegation well, I, never, yeah. I don't remember Wigan being like no, well the interesting thing in league one so if you take out the administration season and you take out this season with the, uh, the minus eight We've actually won the title in the other four seasons that we've been in this league. Uh, two, one with 100 points, one one with 98 points, and one under Gary Caldwell, who we mentioned earlier. But with very uh, true, yeah. So um, yeah, it'll be nice to put our feet up on the beach. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> to everyone listening at home, make sure to drop us a five star rating if you enjoyed the podcast. It means the world to us. And make sure to tune in on Sunday as we dissect all the weekend's results for your wonderful ears once more. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow, you've got your McNugget share box on the go and you know what, your mates already got booked for double dipping but then late on you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points, perfect, why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app, are you in, at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.